Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. If you would, turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Thank you, worship team, creative team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord this morning. Um, you know that this, there's a change in the air. You know there's a change in the season. And, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not or what's happening. But the other day I went into a, a store. Uh, we won't mention the Walmart. And, um, you know, you see people there. And I hope this isn't anybody from our church. But you see people there who are in their pajamas. And it makes me wonder, did they just wake up and say, I'm going to church I go into to, to Walmart in my pajamas. Are they really living the best life? I don't know. I don't know which it is, but it's just amazing uh, what things you can see um, at different places and different stores. Amen. Hope you're feeling good this morning. Today's message is a very simple message. As you can tell by the title, the title is very self-explanatory. It just says, just go. Um, if there's ever a time in the history of the church, now is a time that we need to just go. Two weeks ago, we looked at the encounter that Saul, also known as Paul, who would become the Apostle Paul, had with a very bright light, which was Jesus on the road to Damascus. To set the table for today's message, we have to remember who Saul was back then. He, he wasn't a very nice guy. He wasn't a guy you would have over for dinner if you were a Christian, for sure. Uh, he had just uh, went to the temple in Jerusalem and, and got papers of writ from the high priest to be able to go to Damascus to look for Christians. His, his idea was to go, I'm going to hunt down Christians and I'm going to bring them back to Jerusalem. We're going to imprison them and and you know, if you know anything about Saul and the history of Saul, he was one of the great persecutors of the church at that time. And his whole gang was, hey, we're going we're gonna to imprison them, we're going to torture them, we're going to try to get them to blaspheme God, so if nothing else, we can go outside and we can stone them, we can kill them. This, this is what this man loved to do, if I can use that term. He got up in the mornings, this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to go out and hunt Christians down, and he wanted to kill them. Until the day... He goes to Damascus, and on that day, he has an encounter with Christ in the form of a bright light. Jesus, I want you to get the picture, speaks audibly to Saul. If you didn't hear that message, it's online. You can go back and listen to it. It's a great message, not because I preached it, but because it's anointed of God, very anointed how, how, the, how Jesus got Saul's attention, and he was blinded. He had things on his eyes, kind of like scales, and so Jesus said, listen, Saul, you need to go on into Damascus, and you need to wait, and for three days... The Bible tells us that Saul neither, neither ate nor drank anything. He fasted for three, three days. And I said that week, two weeks ago, I believe that's when he had a good talk with Jesus. You know those songs, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. I think he was crying out to God in the name of Jesus uh, because of the troubles. But he had a real encounter with Christ. And let me just say this. This isn't necessarily on my notes. But when you have a real encounter in Christ, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. You're no longer who you were. You're now a new creature created in Christ Jesus. And, and when that happens, there's this thing called obedience that now you start walking 
and obedience to the Word of God, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This was a real change, but not everybody believed in this change. Seeing is believing, but nobody had truly seen the change and saw, and so that's where we pick up today. And what we're going to find out today is that God is going to send a man. We don't know much about him. We're going to get to know a little bit about him today. Um, but we don't know that much about him. But he's a man that God uses in such a powerful way to, to minister to Saul, to pray for Saul, for Saul to receive his healing, and then for Saul to be baptized. When I say Saul, I mean Paul. If I say Paul, I mean Saul. For him to be baptized in water. We're going to pick up chapter 9 of Acts in verse 10. We will be going to Acts 22 as we did two weeks ago because it tells the parallel story where Paul is actually telling his story to King, to, to, to uh, one of the kings. So anyways, let's pick up there in Acts chapter 9 verse 10. In Damascus, this is where Saul has gone, he's now waiting three days, there was a disciple named Ananias. Now, what you need to look, when we look at this, it's interesting about this text is that Ananias is mentioned about six times, depending on which version or translation of the Bible. But he's, talked, he's mentioned about six times in eight verses, these eight verses that we're going to look at this morning. Now, I don't want to bore you with the history, with the obvious, but when you read the Bible and you see something like that, it should point your attention to that person. So this story this morning, this text, is about Saul and being water baptized and being healed. But it's just as much about Ananias. And this is, who, this is who I want us to focus on today. It's not so much Saul slash Paul and, and his healing and his being baptized in, the Holy, uh, baptized in the water, rather. But it's about this man named Ananias. This, this is a challenge for him. His faith in God is going to be challenged. Will he walk in obedience to what God is about to tell him to do? Um, and so we see that. We can learn a little bit more about Ananias over in Acts 22. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, the scriptures will be on the, the TV screen. But listen to what, he, what Paul says about Ananias. He says, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. In other words, Ananias was a godly man. Understand, before Christ, he followed the law. At this point, I'm giving you a little church history. At this point, when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the word had not gone out. The Jerusalem Council had not yet made the decision about the festivals and the law. So as a Christian, you believed Jesus is the Messiah, but you still were following the law. You knew no better. This was how you was raised. So we learn from this that Ananias is a follower of Christ. He's a disciple of Christ, but yet he's a very devout man. And because of that, he is respected by the people around him. He was most likely a leader in the, in, in the church there in Damascus. So back to chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Bible, excuse me, the Lord called into a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. What I find interesting about this is what we have to understand. Like I said, we, I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of Ananias today and not Saul. And what we have to learn today is this, that God is still a God who speaks to us. Amen? He's still a God who speaks to us. Um, and, and this shouldn't be unusual to us. I believe the book of Acts, is the, is the model for what the church in the 21st century should be like. 
I'm setting my case here for just a moment. Don't, don't, don't tune me out here. All right, I've come prepared to preach and give you the truth. And I need you as a church. This is not to fill a box. It's not so we say we went to church. I want you to receive it. You're here today. God's given me a word. He didn't let me give it out last week. So that means you needed to get it this week. So if you weren't here last week, you're here today for this word. I need you to grasp this. I think God wants you to grasp this. The book of Acts is the model of what the church should be like Today, it lays out everything that a normal walk for a Christian today should be like. We should be walking under the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what, what we read, how life should flow for back then is how it should flow for us today as Christians. We should be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the power from on high to go out and to be witnesses, to share Christ wherever we go. We should be coming together regularly to share times of encouragement together, breaking a meal like we are together, honoring the Lord and remembrance like we are today, building relationships. That's the model that is given to us in the books of, book of Acts. We should be praying for and stepping out in faith and laying hands on people even outside the church gathering on Sunday morning. We should be out there in the world and we should be led of the Spirit and we should be laying hands on people and praying for people and then having faith that God will answer our prayers and see these signs and these wonders and these miracles to take place. That is the book of Acts, church. That should be the church of the 21st century. That's who you and I should be. We should be walking and living our lives like these Christians did under the threat of, of death. They were still out there living their lives for the glory of God. That's what we should be doing. Not lighting our little light. We should be letting our light shine and stepping out in faith. And we should be hearing from God regularly. You should be hearing from God on a regular basis. God spoke back then and he speaks to us today in a variety of ways. And one of the ways he speaks to us is through his word. We know that when we read his word, you should hear that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit just speaking to you, bringing the truth out and, and guiding you, leading you, even correcting you if necessary. So it should be through the word of God, but it's not the only way he speaks and we would be wrong not to be open to him to speak to us in other ways. Sometimes God speaks to us in the form of a prophetic word. Come on, sometimes somebody has the gift of prophecy. Maybe it's tongues interpretations. Come on, it could be a word of wisdom. God's given somebody that word of wisdom. They come and they speak into your life. Or that word of knowledge that reveals something to you that, that's in your life. I'm telling you, God speaks to us in different ways. We have to be open to that. Another way he speaks is what we find here this morning, through a vision. If you do your research, you would find that visions in the book of Acts, you, you find at least seven if not eight times where God communicates through a vision. It's not happened to me often. I wonder here this morning, how many of y'all can honestly say before God, your creator, that he's given you a vision that you knew was from him? Don't be shy. Amen. Amen. It doesn't happen to me often. I have had on different times where God has, when, when I'm praying or when I'm meditating, even when I'm worshiping, that God uh, has given me a vision. I know in particular one time without a shadow of a doubt, I was looking for something for a ministry event. It was something critical that I needed. 
And God literally put a vision. He showed me the color of the room that this thing was. He showed me the cabinet. He showed me what to look behind. It was as vivid of a vision. I wasn't sleeping. I, I just said, I need it. I started praying, God, I need this. You know where it's at. You know how valuable this is for this. And boom, there it was. I went to that room, to that cabinet, and it was there. God does speak to us in visions. Come on. We just got to be open to him speaking to us. Sometimes we've got to let our mind slow down enough that he can speak to us in visions. Come on, how many of y'all have that problem? At night, you just can't stop your mind from going. Or in the daytime, I'm with you. I'm with you. I was talking with Kyle about all the messages. There's constantly messages going on. Right now, you're getting this message. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is giving you and confirming this message. But right now, some of you are on your phones and you're getting text. You're getting alerts. Uh, the football game's about to start, right? Or Slim Chickens is sending you another ad telling you how you can get some good wings at a good deal. Come on. You know all the messages that's coming across in the digital world, right? Right now, some of y'all, the message is, I'm getting hungry. And this preacher is looking at us. It's going to be a long morning, I can tell. And I hope you I, you didn't have to bring a packed lunch today. We don't have to bless your fish and bread today because Brother Keith in the back is making plenty for us to eat. So there's no rush today. I'm here to tell you that God still speaks to us. And one of those ways is through visions. God can speak in a variety of ways, including dreams. How many of y'all have ever had a dream? You know that was a dream. I'm not talking about he, he gave me a dream about where I'm going. I'm talking about you were asleep or you was meditating. Sure, well, that would be a vision, but you were asleep and God literally gave you a dream. I've never had one that I can confirm that is from the Lord. But it can be. A lot of times we think dreams is because we ate our wife's cooking that night or something. I, but let me tell you something. I'm not here to preach on dreams. All right, but I'm going to tell you, God still speaks through dreams. He does. And if you're getting a dream, and, and, and especially if it's a repeated dream and it's about your walk with God or if it's about a walk, someone else's walk with God, then it's probably God trying to talk to you. I spoke to someone just this week that has a repetitive dream and he's looking for his wife in a mall. And I know that sounds silly. And he can't find his wife, but he finds her sister, his sister-in-law. He's trying to figure out what this dream means. He's had it several times and just talking to him, getting to talk it out. And he says, I don't know. Maybe it's because that sister-in-law is in heaven. It might be I'm looking for my wife that I might be going before my wife to heaven. That's not a bad thing. It's just you've got to prepare for that. But he firmly feels like because this is a repetitive dream... And, 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 I, and I talk with him. Sometimes it can be anxiety. We know that. Or, or the stress of life. But it's not a bad dream. It's not a sad dream. He just can't find her. And it might be that's what the dream. Only time will tell if that's what the dream means. But what it communicates to him is get his house in order. Because if he leaves before his wife goes, then he needs to make sure that everything is in order. And that's, that's kind of how you look at it. I didn't mean to spend that much time on dreams. But dreams are real. God's to, God did not change the way he communicates to us. He may communicate to us more through his word because we have it in writing now. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't speak in other ways. How do I know that? Well, look what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. We should know this verse. He got up. He says he's preaching. The Holy Spirit had come. A crowd gathers. He says, in the last days. He is pointing to a specific time. And he's, he's quoting the prophet Joel, and he's saying, in the last days, what he was communicating to them and what he's communicating to us today is that we are in the last 
days. What the prophet Joel said in Joel chapter 2 and what Peter quoted in Acts chapter 2 is to tell us that the last days have begun. The last days began when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 when the church was given birth to, when Jesus ascended. That is, we're now living in the age of the Gentiles. Unless you were born Jewish, you are a Gentile, right? And that's where we are. We are in these last days. In those days, those last days, in that last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will what? They will, come on, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in case you're wondering, I told you I haven't had any dreams. I've had visions. That means I'm still a young man. I just put it together. I didn't have any dreams because I'm not old enough to have those kind of dreams yet. I'm still having visions. Visions. Come on, somebody. Verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. In the last days which we're in, both men and women are going to have visions. You're going to have dreams. You're going to speak forth and prophesy the Word of God. We are living in those days. Be open to God to communicate to you because He wants to. He has a message for you. He has a plan for you. He has things He needs you to do. We're going to see that here in just a moment. So in our text this morning, God speaks to Ananias through a vision. And look at what he tells Ananias to do in verse 11. The Lord told him, go. Go. The Lord told him to go. I find it interesting that over and over in the book of Acts, we find either Jesus or the Holy Spirit is telling the people, is telling us to go. I believe it is one of the primary things God is saying to us every day if we're listening to what he's saying. If we're listening, he's telling you, he's telling me every day to go. What do you mean, Pastor, go? Go pray for that person that you know needs prayer. Go talk to that person you know needs encouraging. Come on, go invite that person you know who's unsaved to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Go, do, be. He's telling you every day you get distracted by what you think you ought to be doing that you're not listening. The messages of the world are confusing. They're confounding you. Your antennae are getting all whacked out to what you should be listening to. I'm just telling you, you need to tune in to the voice of God because there's somebody every day in your life that he's telling you to go to. I believe that. If we're in the last days and the trumpet can sound at any moment, those people who don't hear the word of God, who do not receive Christ as Lord and Savior, they're doomed to a devil's hell, to the lake of fire. We're to go. God wants to send us to minister to one another, but just as much, He wants to send us to people who don't know Him. We have to learn to hear and just go. Just like the Spirit told Philip, go. Remember, we talked about Philip three, four weeks ago. Go. Just go. What do you want me to do? Just go. Go. Travel. He's doing the same thing to Ananias. Telling Ananias to go. Where do you want me to go? Ananias, to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. You know, as I read that scripture, knowing Saul... Knowing Ananias being a Christian, possibly a church leader in Damascus. I wonder how much Ananias heard God after he said, I want you to go to a man named Saul. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, I'm sorry, Lord. Back that back. What'd you say, Lord? Get my recorder out, right? What, wait, what, what'd you say, Lord? Yeah, I want you to go to a man named Saul who's from Tarsus. That identified who Saul was, doesn't it? It, it lets him know who Saul is. Uh, Charles Swindoll, in his book, A Man of Grace and Grit, a book about Paul, said this is equivalent to asking a Jew in 1940 living in Vienna, Switzerland, to go and pray for Adolf Hitler. That, that's how dangerous this would have been. See, I'm sure it confounded Ananias. That's why I'm saying this is truly a test of his faith in God. Truly a test in his faith in God. God tells him to go pray for Saul. I'm sure Ananias is wondering, God, uh, what are you up to here? Are we on the same page? You ever had that conversation with God? Are we on the same page here, Lord? No, he usually tells me, no, you're not on the same page with me. You need to get on my page. And that's what he's doing with Ananias. Verse 12. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. You see how God's working here, though, don't you? Ananias has a vision from God, and God is speaking to Saul in a vision. So God's communicating on both sides. But notice that Jesus doesn't explain much from here. Not yet, anyways. Not until Ananias responds to him. He doesn't give a whole lot of explanation to Ananias. He doesn't tell Ananias that Saul has had an encounter, really. At this point, he said, hey, just go. He's going to tell him in just a moment. He doesn't say that Ananias is going to, or excuse me, that Saul is going to receive him. So in other words, he's not telling Ananias you're going to be safe. Let's face it. Everybody knew about Stephen at this point. That's why they, they scattered because of persecution. Lord, is this going to be one of those times where I just go share the word of God and he's going to kill me? doesn't mean he wouldn't go, but he just, he's just unsure of what is going on here. See, because what I, I note about that is what keeps many people from obeying is that we need all the answers, don't we? We don't want to go. We don't want to do unless we have all the answers. And I'm here to tell you, if you need all the answers to follow the Lord, you're not going to go very far with him. Because I can tell you right now, he hasn't told me a whole lot past today. He hasn't. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I really don't know what this afternoon holds. I hope it holds a nap for this pastor. I don't know if it will or not. But I, I don't know. And, and we have to be mindful of that. God very seldom gives you all the information. He wants you to go and do out of obedience and faith. Which is what Abraham did, if you think about it. You know the story of Abraham. He was living in a foreign land, and God told him to go. To what? Go to a land he didn't know anything about. Matter of fact, Hebrews tells us, chapter 11, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he would go. And isn't that, isn't that what, what faith is right there? I mean, Abraham is the father of faith, right? Faith is all about what? It's about trusting and obeying. That's really what faith is about. It's about hearing God, trusting Him, and obeying Him, no matter what He tells you to do. Has God ever told you to do something that's kind of odd? I don't know about that, God. And, and you walk out of, okay, I'm going to step out in faith and do it. And then you see God do something in that moment. If He hadn't stepped out, even though you didn't understand it, didn't have all the answers, how could God have done what He wanted to do if you didn't walk out, step out, and trust Him and obey Him? See? This is the walk of a Christian. Do you realize that you're putting your trust in a man who died on the cross over 2,000 years ago? You didn't see him raised from the dead, but yet you're putting your trust and your faith in that. So why wouldn't you go ahead and go all the way and just trust God with everything he says and walk on and be in obedience to him as his spirit leads, as he tells you? Right now, I believe God's laying people on each and every one of your hearts that need to hear the gospel 
that if today they were to die or the Lord should return, they wouldn't go to heaven. I believe that. If you're listening, God has that person in mind for you to reach. We have to, out of faith, distrust him and obey. Faith is the core. Uh, At its core is going without knowing, obeying without knowing. Going because God said go. Doing because God said do. Giving because God said give. Speaking because God said speak. Stepping out in faith and obedience. You may not have all the details, but you know with the command that God gives, listen, there's always the power to be effective in what he's called you to do. Do you grasp that? Do you grasp that with the command that God, when God tells you to do, when God tells you to give, when God tells you to go, when God tells you to speak, when he says do, there's always the power to to, to be effective in whatever it is he's calling you to do. Step out in faith and trust him in obedience. If he's telling you to go, there's going to be God's grace on you as you go. When you go to speak to somebody, God's grace is going to have already gone before you, preparing the ears and the heart of that person to hear what you have to say. We get this idea that we're plowing unplowed ground, but you're not. You're not plowing ground that hasn't already been worked. God, the Holy Spirit, has already been working in those situations, in those people's lives. You just got to go pick the fruit. Come on, are you with me still? Do I have to get more animated? Do I need to run over here and make my cameraman chase me here and run over here? Come on. If God has called you to go, do, speak, give, he's going to empower you to do what needs to be done. Step out in faith and be obedient. Amen. I guess i got to get loud to get you. Come on, church. Now notice Ananias' response, verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I know that you're very busy and have a lot going on. And maybe you haven't heard about this man named Saul, but reports have it that he's a very mean man and uh, he's done a lot of harm to your holy people, right? You, you hear what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing there. He said, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority for the chief priest to, to arrest all who call on your name. He said... Listen, Lord, I know you're busy. Maybe I need to remind you about this guy. Have you ever felt like you needed to give God advice? God, I think you're missing something here. Uh, the big picture here, Lord. I th- okay, you're focused on this, God. I, I know you're, Lord, I know you're hearing all the millions of, not billions of prayers going on right now around the world, Lord. And so I'm just going to help you here. <clears throat> I don't think you really want me to go to this guy, right? He's making sure God knows who Saul is. Um, But this is just like you and I, isn't it? You ever come up with excuses to God? Come on. Let's let's be honest here. You don't have to, uh, hi, my name. No, you don't have to confess to me. I just want you to be honest with you. God already knows. Think of the excuses, right? God, I would, but... When you use that word but, that means everything you just said, just ignore. What that means, it really does. You don't understand, Lord, I have to be somewhere else. I'm on a schedule today. I don't have time for this, Lord. 
I would, uh, if you give me just a little bit more information, Lord, I'm not really sure what I should say. Lord, you know if I do that, I could lose my job. Yeah, it's, it's these, these excuses. I find that we're, we're no different than Moses. God shows up in the burning bush and lays out to Moses what his plans were for Moses and the Israelites. This is the moment that God was going to deliver his people. And Moses came up with what? Excuses. Excuses. See? Ananias is unsure and he's coming up with excuses because this is Saul. He'd heard the stories. He's having a hard time believing God could, be, could have been working in Saul's heart when Saul was as violent and as evil a man as Saul was. And we think that way sometimes. We think that God couldn't work in someone's heart because of how evil they are, how mean they are, what they have done. The fact is God loves everyone and he saves everyone. He wants to save everyone. He's made a way for everybody to be saved. Even Saul, even the worst. Of the worst, God wants to save them. We can have these attitudes, these thoughts, and these conversations with God and ourselves for that matter. All these excuses. Ananias did, and look what God told him once again. But the Lord said to Ananias, hey dude, go. This is important. This is very important. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Yeah. God says, I have a plan for him, Ananias, so just go. There's some things you don't know about him, Ananias, but just go. I've got these plans, Ananias, that only he can do, so I need you to just go. Quit making up excuses, Ananias. Just go. Change your schedule, Ananias. What you were planning to do doesn't matter compared to eternity, so just go. There's some things you don't understand, Ananias. So just go. Just go. Just walk in obedience and go. If he's calling us to go, he has a purpose in our going, and we can trust him with that. We just need to go. We just need to go. Walk in obedience and just go. Verse 17. Okay, Ananias got the message. Ananias went to the house and entered it. That's faith. That's obedience. That's boldness. He placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Powerful. He goes out of obedience with the power of the Holy Spirit to pray for Saul to see him healed. And there's something else that God wants for Saul. What is that? Look at it right there. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the question I have to ask as I'm preaching through these verses here is, if, if that was important for Ananias to go and not only pray for his healing, but even pray for him to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, how important is the baptism in the Holy Spirit in our lives every day? We have to, we, we, we have to grasp this. I feel sometimes like I'm trying to, and I'm not saying we're not spirit-filled, but I, I want every one of you to be spirit-filled with power, to be witness. 
And, and so that why? Not that your troubles go away, that when your troubles come, you, you have the strength of the Holy Spirit to overcome them because it, we know the old saying, there, there, there's trials, tribulations, there's troubles always. They're either of God, God's permitted them, we brought them on ourselves. But even if God permitted or the enemy God, or God brought it on, it's for what? The testing or the strengthening of our faith. It's for us to, to grow in Him so we know His nature more so that we can move forward. He's tired of us being in the kiddie pool out there at the jetties. He's ready for us to go beyond the rocks and snorkel and see the beauty of of his creation, see the beauty of the spirit realm, to reach out in the spirit realm and do things that we've only read about, that we, we've never seen or done. But God wants that for us. We have to own this. God told him, go to Saul and pray for him to be healed because God is going to use Saul to proclaim his name to the Gentiles. You have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life. Every one of you has a calling on your life. And God needs you to fulfill your calling. With Ananias, Ananias showed up. He laid hands on him for his healing, laid hands on him for his filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants for us. See, this is the key to living an effective life for the kingdom of God. This is the key to living a powerful life. This is the key for being effective for God in whatever we do. This is the key to being an effective witness for the kingdom of God. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. This is the power to witness. This is the power to lay hands on people and see them healed. This is the power to remove things and obstacles in your life so the Word of God can go forth. This is the power to live an effective life. How effective is your life for the kingdom of God? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. God wants to move. And I'm not saying if you're not baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't pray effectively. Not at all. All I'm saying is, think about how much God could use you even more so if you were baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Why wouldn't you want all of it? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Why, if you're not, why not? Why wouldn't you want it? in the Word. I've done told you, the book of Acts is what the first century church modeled for us today. This is how we're to live our lives. Amen? Come on. Is this not how we're to live our lives? God wants us all empowered by His Spirit so we can live powerful, effective lives. And this is the pattern in the book of Acts. Jesus said it right there in Acts 1a. You need to go and wait before you go to receive power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip went down to Samaria, he, he preached and people were saved. They weren't baptized. What happens? Peter and John, they show up. They go down. Hey, they've been saved. They haven't been baptized. What do they do? They lay hands on to be baptized. Why? Because it's that important. Right here we see Saul being, being healed by, by Ananias. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, look, you go and I want you to pray for because he needs to be filled with the Spirit as well. And we, we, we see that. We, you can keep going in a couple more chapters. Peter goes to the house of Cornelius because of a vision he had on the rooftop. And they sent messengers to, to, to Peter. And he follows them, goes, and he walks in the house. He starts preaching. And it doesn't say they got saved. It says they all got Filled with the Holy Spirit. Did they get saved? Yes, they got saved. What was the evidence of their salvation? Don't mix, listen, don't mix the doctrine here. But they said the evidence when they went back to the Jerusalem council was 
They spoke in tongues. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by God. You find Paul later in the book of Acts going into the city of Ephesus, comes up on some disciples, and what the first thing he says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? We don't even know what this is. He said, well, you need it. He lays hands on them. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Why? It's that important. It's evident in the book of Acts. This is important, and we ought to be mindful. If God, if it's important to God, you better make it important to you. If it's important to God, if it's a priority, we need to make it a priority. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get out there and begin witnessing, telling people about Jesus. Pay attention to the things that God gives priority in scriptures. And that's whether you understand it or not. Whether you understand it or not. I, I guarantee you, most people in here that are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of not just speaking in tongues, but the empowerment to be witnesses and the empowerment to pray for people and be led in, in our prayer. I guarantee none of them understand it. I'm your pastor. I got letters after my name. I spent a lot of money to get educated, you know? My thesis was on the baptism, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And even with all that research and scriptural evidence and all these things that I did, it's still like, wow. I, st I still don't totally get it. But it doesn't matter whether I get it or not. It's for me and it's for you and it's for your kids, your grand for all those who are yet to come. It's for all of us. In the last times, it's for us. We're living in the last days. He said, I will pour out my spirit. The question is, is your cup, the lid off your cup, are you open to being filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on. It's here. Oil's not the problem. Vessel is the problem. We have to grasp this. We've got to own this. Jesus is coming soon. And if we're not walking in obedience and leading of the Holy Spirit, if we're not empowered of the Holy Spirit, if we're not operating within that power, if we're not going out in the highways and the byways and compelling them to come to Christ, not to come to church, but to come to Christ. Yes, invite them to church, but don't let church be the big event. The big event is them coming to Christ, giving their lives to the Lord, and then share with them about the baptism. Well, they're going to think I'm freaky and, and crazy if I start talking about being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Give them the whole gospel. Let them know there's more. You're tired of the way you're feeling. Give your heart to Jesus. You want to overcome the things in your life. Let Him fill you with your Spirit because that's how you overcome the strongholds in your life. That's how you come over the fear in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit. I want you all to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know what? Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I want you to have the power you've never imagined before in your life. It's such a power that when you have it on your life, you're not going to want to even go back to the old life. You're struggling in the old life, the old ways, the flesh, and you're still tempted with that kind of stuff. You need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Because once you, when God fills you with His Spirit and He starts, men, He starts speaking through you, and you know that, oh, I'm just a vessel, I'm just a conduit. That's the power of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Why would you even want to bring that the stuff back into your life that defames your your temple, that that brings that brings harm to your witness? Uh, this is hard. I know. But it's truth. It is the truth. I want you to encounter the joy of not only leading people to Christ. I can't wait to hear the testimonies how you laid hands on people and they were healed. And were delivered. Just a moment, we're going to hear testimony about this. How God used you. This is supposed to be the life of a New Testament follower. Let's see if we can land this plane.
Ananias lays hands on Saul, verse 18, immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could, he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he, grained, he regained his strength. Now, Acts 22, this is Paul, how Paul tells it happened to him. He, being Ananias, stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Come on, somebody. That's powerful right there. Instantly, Paul can see miracles, signs, and wonders. Then he said, the Lord, of, the Lord this is what Ananias said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one. And listen, and hear the words from his mouth. Remember earlier when we read the scripture about I received from the Lord? I'm not saying this is where he received this, but if you know the history of Saul, Paul, he went away for a couple of years because nobody really would trust him. The Christians didn't trust him, and now the Jews hated him. So he went away for a couple of years and studied. He had encounters, personal encounters with Christ. You say, well, they're not really recorded. No, but listen to the word, the verbiage. That which the Lord Jesus gave me, I now give you. And here he's saying, what? What God told Ananias. Now Ananias is saying to him, listen, listen. You, I, you, God has some things he wants to tell you. God of, your, of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear the word from his mouth. God chose Paul. God has chosen you. You're chosen. You may receive, it may be all my decision to receive Christ, but he first chose you. You're chosen, just like Paul. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Listen, God wants to give you a testimony. More so than I was this, that, and God delivered me. Those are great testimonies. Those are testimonies you use to help people who are in a similar situation. But God wants to give you a testimony of where you went and you prayed for somebody and they were healed. Or their prayers came to whatever it might be. Or where you led some. He, he, this is what we're talking about. This is what he's talking about here. Paul is going to eventually stand before kings and rulers. And he's going to give his testimony. Matter of fact, for those of us in my small group on Wednesday night, looking at the book of Philippians, apparently he even was able to minister to some people in the house of Caesar. The ruler of the known world at the time. See. And what was he testifying? What, what he had seen God do in and through him. Miracles, signs, and wonders. That's what he's talking about here. Purpose. That's why God saved Paul. He had a purpose. That's why God saves you. You have a purpose. Verse 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Don't you love Ananias? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, just for clarity, that doesn't mean being baptized in water. What modifies washing away your sins is calling on the name of Jesus. That's what he's talking about there. All right? Some people taking that false doctrine. I've got to be fair to the word. That's not, if you look back in the Greek, the modifier is calling on the name of Jesus. Your sins are washed away. Be baptized. But what a powerful, powerful message. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, why they, oh precious is the flow. I can't remember the word. Anyways, it's the blood of Jesus. Make me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Get up. Don't you just love that? God has chosen you. God's chosen you, Saul. Get up. 
God has a purpose for you, Saul. Get up. God wants to speak to you, Saul. Get up. What are you waiting for? God wants to use you, Saul. Get up. What are you waiting for? And so that's the message for us today, isn't it? We're no different. We're saved. We're not in an unsaved state like Saul was. But we could be in a holding pattern state where we're just not sure about life. Life has thrown us for a loop, right? Things have happened we don't understand. People have come and people have gone. We face crises and all this. And Let me tell you, that's part of life. Those are opportunities for God to move. Know that. God to move. Some of y'all wouldn't even know Jesus as strong as you, were, you do today if something terrible hadn't happened in your life. So with that knowledge, we have to just ask ourselves, what are we waiting for? We need to get up. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this message today? What's, what's God saying to you personally right now? I want you to take every thought out. You don't have to bow your head, close your eyes. Just, I want you to push every thought out of your mind right now. And I just want you right now to say, Lord, what are you telling me through this message today? What are you communicating to me about what am I waiting for? What is it, Lord, that right now I have put the foot on the brake and I'm waiting and you're telling me, quit waiting, get up and go. Who's that person? What is that situation, God? Who needs ministering to, Lord? Help me, because I guarantee you, God, just like Saul, has saved you for a purpose. He wants to fill you with His Spirit for a purpose. He wants to talk to you and tell you things for a purpose. And that purpose is so that you can go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and see people saved and healed and delivered. Oh, there's so many people in our community today who are just bound by sin, bound by addiction. Demonic bondage is all over our community churches. All you have to do is look around and see the lives that are being destroyed by addiction and, 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 and of all kinds. God wants to use you. Don't point your finger at somebody else. Don't wait on somebody else. He wants to use you. And I promise you, if you feel like he's telling you to go somebody and he's not and you do it, he's not going to punish you for going. Matter of fact, he might think, which is really not biblical. Well, I didn't even think about that person. Yeah, I want you to go there too, right? We know God doesn't think that way, all right? Don't, don't run me out of the church. What's God telling us? I know one thing he's telling us today is if you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. That's one thing. If he can save the worst of the worst like Saul, then he's put you under this Ananias for such a time as this to hear this word because salvation is for you in your home. So if that's you today, if you're in an uns unsaved state, right now you're not sure what your destination is. If God should call you home today, the trumpet should sound. We know people get killed on 231 all the time. We've had someone in our church get killed many years ago leaving church on a Sunday morning. Thank the Lord she knew him. But what about you today? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to scare you, but maybe we need to get back to hellfire and brimstone a little bit. Maybe we need to realize that there's a hell to shun today, church. There's a place, I, I looked at the scripture, I won't read it, but you can go, there's going to be the judgment day of Christ and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to spend eternity with Satan, come on, the false prophet, the antichrist, in a place called the lake of fire. It was torment day and night for eternity. 
Burning is a real place. But God's given you an option today. He says, receive my son as that sacrificial lamb that died for you on that cross and rose again. And commit your life. Receive him as your Savior. Make him your Lord today. And if you do that, your name will be written in that book. Come on. I'm going to heaven whether you go with me or not. I wanted you to go with me. Some of you I'm not too sure about, but I want you to anyways. Come on. But I'm serious. There is a hell ahead of those. Does that not bother you? Whether you're saved or unsaved, it should bother you. If you're unsaved, that's where you're going. If you're saved, that means the people you love that are unsaved, that you work with that are unsaved, that's where they're going. It's real. As real as heaven is, there's a hell. And as wonderful as heaven's made out to be, hell is the exact opposite. Separated from the presence of the love of God for eternity. We got to take this serious, church. We need to start keeping score. I missed Brother Ben when he was here. We'd keep score every year. How many you've reached this year? We'd keep score. See who at the end of the year had the most people reach for the kingdom. He beat me some years. So I ain't going to lie to you. What else is it telling us today? If you're a believer today, you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whether you understand it or not, you have to first be open to it, and then you have to seek it. Come on. Th that's you today. If you're a believer, then you're on the bench right now. You, you're, you don't have the power to, you, you, that God needs you to have. He wants to give you supernatural power. The leading of a spirit to go out and do things. Man, I tell you what, if, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit and God starts using you, it, it's addictive, it's intoxicating in a good way. We're too timid, too worried about hurting people's feelings. Come on, come on. Well, we got to get serious about this. Eternity, do you realize first that Jesus come back at any moment? But in the prophetic circles today, many prophetic circles, they believe it's this year. Some believe it's this month. Well, you do the counting. How many days are left in this month? Six days. So, what do you do with that, Pastor? Well, it doesn't make me anxious for any reason. It doesn't make me scared. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. All right? And if he doesn't come, I'm not chasing when he comes. It's just for me, like many of the prophets have said, don't get caught up on whether we're right or wrong on, on this period, on this couple of days. Their whole thing is just know if it doesn't happen, it's going to happen. And we need to be busy about the kingdom business, the Father's business. Now, I know I've gone back to preaching and you're waiting for me to close, and I know that, but I can't close until you get the message. That's the message of the story. It's not about Saul. It's about Ananias. It's about you and I going forth in the power of the Holy Spirit boldly to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter what is endangering our lives at the time, stopping our schedules and going. We have to be about our Father's business. I'm tired. I think God's tired. I'm using that in a, in a metaphorical way of these altars being empty. I'm ready to see snot stains again on these altars where we're seeking God for our unsaved families and friends and then we have people come in here and give their heart to Jesus. 
Then can I be honest with you, church? I'm just being very transparent. I, I know this sounds like I'm harsh. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I'm not ready to quit. I'm not ready to walk away, if anything. I'm, I'm, I'm more motivated now than I've ever been because I know the hour is late. But I can tell you, God is pre- speaking into me, and I'm speaking into you. And the only reason why these altars are empty is because we're not out there doing what the Word of God has told us to do. And I hope you don't leave here condemned but I hope you leave here convicted. If everybody in here reached one person, what a difference. And I know you say, how does that make a difference? You've all heard the story about the guy on the beach and picks up, littered with all these starfish, and he picks up one, throws it back in. You've heard the story, right? And someone comes up and says, you know, starfish, you're not really making a difference. And he picked up another and said, no, but I made a difference in this starfish's life. And that's it. I can't reach the masses, but I can reach the one. Focus on the one and then disciple them. See, Jesus is coming back. He is. Live with that urgency. Who you tried to please in this life. I'm trying to please my Lord and my Savior. He's going to come back. And here's the thing about my life and your life. I can't blame, Sister Marie, I can't blame you for anything when I stand before God. He say, no, that's on you, Tony, not her. And you can't blame it on me. You're going to stand on your own merits on the day of judgment. That scares me. And I hope I hear, and I believe I'm going to hear, well done. But I'm also going to hear, Tony, you missed it. You missed it here. Why didn't you do this? This person is in hell because you didn't. You didn't go to them. You mean, is God really going to do that? I don't know. But if I'm going to give account for every idle word, everything I said, didn't say, do, or didn't do, I think there's going to be accountability for me. For all of us. Father, God, I can't say that the burden's been lifted off of me with this message. God, I, I can't say that. If anything, Lord, is heavier now than when it was when I started. So God, what I do pray, Lord, is that you let this be a burden on everyone listening this morning, online or in person. God, I don't want condemnation in here. Lord, we all stand knowing we can do and should have done differently in obedience to you some, some way in our life when it comes to sharing your word and how we live our lives, God. The fact that our lives are the living testimonies of you, of you who you are in our lives. Lord, I don't want condemnation. What I want, Lord, is for us all to have conviction, knowing God, yes, we can all do better, but we can't use that as an excuse to not do better, but Father, to be motivated, to be determined, to set out, to set ourselves up to be and do and go as you call us to. I don't know what heaven's going to be like on Judgment Day, Lord. I don't. But, Lord, I know that when I stand before you, God, I want to, I do want to hear, well done. And, Lord, I want to believe, God, I've done all that you've called me to do. So, personally, I pray for myself. God, help me to listen and hear as you lead, God. Let us not forget that part of this message, Lord. You are speaking 
and you are sending every day. May I hear and walk in obedience, Lord. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you cannot confidently say that Jesus is your Lord today, and you'd like to do that, you'd like to make that decision today and receive Jesus as your Lord, if you would, just every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Just raise your hand. I just want to see who it is. Anybody at all. I'm not going to embarrass you. Shouldn't be embarrassed. We've all had to make this decision at some point in our walk, in our life. Anybody at all. Yes, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. See that hand. Anybody else? Don't leave here the way you came in. Tearing just for a moment longer. I'm praying the Holy Spirit's working on somebody. And you're, and you're weighing out the balance. Should I, shouldn't I? All I'm going to say is what's holding you back? What are you afraid of? The change He makes in your life, trust me, are worth the sacrifices you think you're going to make. Father, you've seen this hand that was raised, Lord. I thank you, God, for, for her acknowledgement, Lord. God, her desire to be in right relationship with you. And I pray for this lady right now. You know who you were that raised your hand. The Bible tells us to believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, that he died on the cross. He rose again for you. Is receiving that work for you, letting that work on Calvary be your salvation, receiving it, and then submitting to his lordship. That means as you receive Christ as Savior and Lord, that when you leave this place instantaneously, you are now going to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, being led of His Spirit, living by His Word in obedience to whatever He tells you to do, wherever He tells you to go. It says do that in your heart and then confess with your mouth. That means you need to go to somebody today that is a believer in Christ and let them know that you received Jesus as your Lord. And I'm going to be honest with you, you need to get with me to be water baptized. If you've never been saved before, never been baptized, I believe in that. Even Saul, Paul, was baptized in water. No waiting. What are you waiting for? How many of you would be honest today with your head bowed, nine closed, saying, Pastor, I'm just not really doing a great job of being a witness, and I really need prayer today. It's okay, thank you. Thank you for this, that honesty. Thank you. Thank you. God sees the hands. That's the good news. And He's not holding that against you today. I want you to know that. He's a loving, caring Father. Just like if you were a parent and your parent, your kids messed up, how you would want you, you'd be loving. You'd be kind to them. You'd be instructive to them. And you'd want to help them. And so it is with God. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would, I would strongly recommend that you start asking for it, seeking it, as we like to say, and be open to it. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you raised your hand, then it might be that you need to be filled again and again, which is really biblical. It's not a one-time event like salvation is or should be. It's a daily, it's a daily infilling of His Spirit. Father, you see those hands honestly, God. And Lord, there's more that should have raised their hands. And Lord, I think in their hearts they did, but maybe physically didn't. And I just pray for them. Lord, these are the sheep that you've given me, God. I'm the under-shepherd. You're the great shepherd. 
And Lord, they are a reflection of me in many ways, God. And, and, and Lord, I love them and I pray for them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, empower them, remove the condemnation they may feel. Lord, deliver them, God, from the bondage of sin that made the strongholds that may exist in their lives, God. The habits, Lord, the lifestyle they're not able to shake, Lord. Just empower them with your Holy Spirit to do what is necessary, God. To rebuking the devil, standing on your word and faith, and just praying and believing, God, for the deliverance that they need. And Lord, from there, God, their testimony is going to become bright and shiny, God. And Lord, you... As it is with me, God, sooner or later, you're going to start sending people to them to be saved because they're known as being a follower of yours. Help them and bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave this place today and we fellowship, <clears throat> God, we've come together and we've worshiped, we've learned, we've remembered you, God, in the breaking of the bread and drinking of the juice, Lord. God, we've broken your word and we're now applying it to our lives. So now go with us. Lord, bless the food we're going to partake here shortly, God, the fellowship, Lord. And just be with us, God, but help us be mindful of what you are doing and telling us, God, and may we just go. Now, we're going to close with one more thing. Patricia Campbell wants to share a testimony of God using her. So. Just remember, your husband's back there cooking, so don't let him get mad with us. Okay. I'm, an, I'm a licensed practical nurse, and in this season, I'm doing private duty. And I have this little 81-year-old man who has a plethora of conditions. I mean, he's really ill. Well, he's been in the ICU for a month tomorrow. And last, earlier this week, Monday, they put a trach in him. And so I was really, the last, th first three days, he didn't, didn't look too hot. Didn't look like it was going to be going good. Well, this morning, then, yes, Friday, he was a little more alert. Well, this morning, I woke up to a text. And if anyone knows what trach is, it's a surgical procedure where they put a tube in your throat so you can breathe. So 81, a lot of illnesses, not too good. Today, I woke up, and the note was, they said, the lab person came to draw his blood, and they said, Mr. So-and-so, I'm going to draw your blood today. He said, okay. And then they looked at, we're private duty, so his family wants us to stay with him, even though he has nurses there, we're just kind of visitors. And they said, um, do you know who this person is? And they went like this. And I had been telling him every night before I left and throughout the ship, I started out the first time saying, our pastor always is telling us that God's still in the healing business. Amen. And every day I would squeeze his hand and say, Mr. So-and-so, you know, God is still in the healing business healing business and I finally got up the courage to ask him when he was alert enough squeeze my hand if you're a Christian and he squeezed my fingers and Praise I said God. squeeze my fingers if you're if Jesus is the Lord of your soul Lord of your life I mean and he squeezed my hands so for right now I'm saying thank you Lord amen amen for, amen for my little man and thank the Lord that his family has somebody cares enough about him okay. to share her faith and not be worried about the outcome. Amen? God is still in the healing business. God is still in the saving business. God still loves you in spite of what you feel like you've done or haven't done or disappointed Him. God's a caring God. Let's, let's just work together to get it right. Let's do what we can do and then trust God to do what He will do. Amen? Just go. I don't mean like right now. I'm going to let you go here in just a minute. 
No, don't just go right. But just let, I don't want to re-preach it, but get the message. Ananias, Susan, David, right? Right? Come on, guys. Sammy, Brian, Margaret, just go. Just go. Don't worry about the outcome. You can't save anybody. But God can. But He might just want to use you to be the vessel who He saves someone through, heals someone through, delivers someone through. We have to just go. Amen? Now, if you're a parent, before you go get food, I need you to just go get your children. But for the rest of you, uh, stand up. If you're staying for dinner, I hope you are. We're going to have a great time. But thank you guys so much. It's good to see everybody here in the house of the Lord. God bless. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.